Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin. This is Hashem, Bias Panimi, Shir number five for the women. We're going to uh, look today at um, the book Marriage Secrets by Leah Richheimer. And today we're going to talk about the importance for a husband to cherish his wife and for the wife to want to feel cherished. And it is a fascinating thing that even though when you look at the Pashita, the simple meaning of the what Hashem told other Marishan and Chava right after the Eitzadas that they're quote-unquote klolais, negative things. But as the Chazal learn later on, and the Mepharshim talk about it a lot, that they're actually built into a tremendous, tremendous brachais. So for example, when it says by the man, uh, that you're going to have to work very hard going forward, that although on one hand you're going to say it's a negative, that he has to put in all this effort, but on the other side, after the Chetzadas, that is the bracha. It's an etzem bracha that, that the malacha dignifies a person. And it means kemachin taira. And like the Oves, in Perkei it says, G'dayla malacha shemechabedes ha'sabala. That how great work is that it, that it honors the one who does it. So there's tremendous brachas there. The same applies with what Hashem told the Chava. That even the pain of, of, of childbirth and the uncomfortableness of the menstruation and all of these things have within it tremendous bracha that because of this precisely these brachas come to us. And that includes this, what it says, that to the chavah she says, well, that her craving is to be for her husband. And that is something that's intrinsic. Once the Torah said that and Hashem told this to Adam, Benegea his things and Chava Benegea hers, that that is a truth that's internal, that's built into the person. And it's within the Isha, the woman, to want to be cherished by her husband. That is a deep-seated desire. And in our culture, though, we view that as a weakness. And the truth is, and again, as we learn this chapter, and again, we're talking about somebody who is very, very independent, that learned how to express this vulnerability later and is expressing it. And we did mention in the past about Laura Doyle, uh, that she goes overboard with this. So that's why right now, before we even start this, I just want to make it very, very clear to all of you that... This idea has to have a clear balance to it, meaning that when we talk about wanting to be cherished by our our husbands, that does not at all take away the importance of having a healthy independence or a healthy feeling of your own feelings and your own thoughts and your own talents. It does not mean anything like that at all. But it is, in truth, a a magnificent feeling, she says, of being thoroughly cherished and that's one of the woman's most greatest treasures. And in these, this culture, it's been removed from our reality. Now, she talks over here about being careful about defense mechanisms, especially this, this chapter in particular is hard for many to accept. Now, in general, I just want to tell you, I have this experience with the Shalom Bayes Shurim that I give, that as long as someone's listening to it and it's intellectually stimulating and insightful and they love it, and especially when it's pertaining to how to help somebody else with their shalom bias, and they are basically uh, enjoy it very, very much. But when it comes to a point where they're listening it for themselves, and they realize, hey, wait a minute, 
that he's talking to me too, meaning not me, but I'm saying the, 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 the teachings are talking to me too, then it gets much less enjoyable because then um, the defense mechanisms kick in. You start seeing your own faults and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to acknowledge it or some vulnerability that you don't want to accept. And it's understandable, that feeling. All of us are attached to our own way of doing things and it's easier to say, I don't know what you're talking about, discount advice and not take advice that is very hard for us to accept. And that is the challenge sometimes when listening to the Shalom Bayesh But as long as we remember that Shalom is the key to life, Shalom is the key to bracha, Hashem did not find any keli, any vessel to contain blessing other than Shalom for the Jewish people as a whole and for the Jewish family in particular, and that the Geula will come only if there's Shalom in the world, and particularly in Shalom Bayis in each and every home, then we find ourselves obligated to learn to promote that Shalom. And part of it is to accept the true nature of a man on his side and of a woman on her side. She recalls here as an author, she was talking about it when she was in business and she was in a boardroom and she was in negotiations and there was a man on the other side barking his opinions at, at her and uh, she felt for a second being overwhelming, wanting to rush to her husband's side to get support. And she rammed it, that thought out of her head. She fought with the negotiations. She won the negotiations. But then afterwards, she got to think to herself, you know, how, you know, how do I embrace that part of me that that I feel felt for a very long time embarrassed about, that I want my husband's approval, that I want his support? And she admitted, admits, based on her personality and her background, that it was not an easy process. And it took a while to realize and to view that what Chazal say on these matters is MS Lamita is true. So, for example, the Chazainish writes in a letter that the nature of a woman is to enjoy finding favor in her husband's eyes, to be cherished in her husband's eyes, and she need, and she constantly yearns for this. The Stipler writes also, it's well known that a woman's hope in the world is to have a husband who loves her. And she had a hard time acknowledging this to be the case. But deep down, that is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in the DNA of a woman, and for the man his own DNA, which we're going to discuss in a minute, but that is intrinsic. That is this idea of being cherished or wanting to be cherished by uh, your husband is a healthy feeling, even though it may cause you to feel vulnerable. And sometimes there's a fear. You know, a husband on the other side of the mechitza, he needs to learn how to cherish his wife and to know how to do that properly, of course. But from on the woman's side, to acknowledge that that's a need and to express your deepest self by wanting to be cherished and accepting that from your husband, that is a path towards wonderful shalom bias and healing and actual self-actualization. And what she writes very interesting here is, is that while it is true, it's the husband that needs to learn also how to cherish his wife properly, but the first part of it is for the wife herself to want to be eager and willing to be cherished by her husband. And in, in that vein, her husband will follow through if he's taught, of course, the right skills and understands this, that he'll reciprocate and he'll cherish her and it'll be a most wonderful relationship. 
she brings down here that very often, and this is a fascinating thing with, with women, that they change certain few simple actions and the whole marriage turns around. And she says when she taught this, the students were skeptical that them tried in real life and it actually worked. And um, it's an amazing thing that although, like we talked about from the beginning, the responsibility is on both husband and wife to do what they both need to do respectively. But the truth is, is the wife has a tremendous power that with a few small, simple things that she does in the positive way, she could shift the dynamic of the marriage 180 degrees to the positive side with just a few simple, um, you know, decisions and behaviors that ultimately enhances the marriage greatly and inspires and influences the husband to want to be better and to be a better husband and to grow and to love her more and so on and so forth. So she writes like this, and I want to say this like this. She says that when I made the effort to respect my husband more by not interrupting him mid-sentence, he behaved in kind. When I thanked him more often... After learning that our Chazal placed great emphasis on gratitude, the warmth in our home increased tremendously. Now, as you're reading this, I want to just make it clear to you, because I know with some personalities, I could understand where you're saying, hey, wait a minute. If, if, my, if my husband is saying something that I disagree with, don't they have a right to you know, express my opinion? Of course you have a right to express your opinion. As a matter of fact, you should express your opinion. And then, like we talked about in the main Shalom Bayashiorim, there's a time and place for it. We're going to talk about, about it later over here, too. Where, where there, if there is a difference in opinion between you and your husband that affects the running of the house or your relationship or with the children, there is a time and place where you sit together and talk it over, where you listen to each other empathetically and to express each other's opinions. There is a place for that, a million percent. She doesn't say it in this chapter, but that's a fact. But while you're, you know, having a conversation before that, and he's trying to say something to you, and you don't interrupt him and you listen, it's a very it has a very very positive effect. And there are beautiful rewards in Shalom Bayis when you do that, when you focus on that aspect, and that influences tremendously your husband on, on the positive side. Now, on the husband's side, what what a woman also needs to know, and the husbands, I stress this, they know it themselves, but a lot of them don't even know that they know it because it's subconscious, because based on culture and based on where men are perceived to be with their business acumen or their intellectual uh, things that they do or that they're always busy with things, but they do have inside them a deep, deep desire to make their wives happy and to cherish them. If the Gemara says that one who lives without a wife is like living without happiness, without simcha, and the other things enumerated in that Gemara, or it says that a person without a wife is incomplete, then it's emes lamitai, meaning that whether the husband realizes it consciously or not, it's the truth within him. And like the, he brings the Mechdam al and when his wife becomes one with him, when he learns to give in to her, to invest in her, and that's how he becomes one with her. So they are designed to do this. They are designed to do this even though 
you know, externally things hold them back from that behavior, but they are indeed designed to do this. They want to cherish their wives. And in turn, the wives need to feel that need and that want and that desire to be cherished by their husbands. Then she describes sometimes that a husband comes through a, a challenge sometimes when she, he really does want to please his wife and wants to give her what she needs and sometimes doesn't know how to do it or is, even if he tries this and that, his some reason his words don't hit their mark and their actions don't hit their mark and something that needs to be talked about, obviously. But, um, but that is something that if you're aligned him wanting to cherish and you wanting to feel cherished, that that disconnect will take care of itself and there will be a true connection between the two of you. And the key really is, is that you have to allow your husbands to do that. When they, you see that they want to do it, you have to allow yourself to do that. Hashem created your husband to do that, to cherish you and to value you and it will flow towards you But on your end, you need to learn how to be recipient of that to allow yourself to feel loved or adored or approved of. And that's not a negative thing. That's a very, very positive thing. And that's a beautiful thing. And she acknowledged that that idea irritated her in the beginning, that my husband should want to adore me and to cherish me. And, you know, when you have that independent spirit, you sort of rebel against that thought. And what I'm trying to explain here, which is very important, that you have personalities, all different types of personalities. And there are many women that are very strong-minded and very independent. And that's perfectly fine. It's not a stira. It's just you need to balance it with what the Chazal say and allow the courage to be vulnerable when you know you need to be vulnerable for the sake of your shalom bias, for the sake of being the, your best selves, for the sake of submitting to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us, to be vulnerable, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable to our husbands in this way. Husbands need to learn this too. On the other side of the mechitza, a lot of them, for example, find it either it hurts their ego or they feel very vulnerable when they ask their wives advice. And therefore it's very difficult for them to ask for their wives' opinion on something and so on and so forth. Some of them would never do it. And some of it, that, some of it is a mistake. Some of it is an ego or a fear, a tremendous fear of feeling vulnerable. You know, if, if, I, if I ask my wife advice, then she's going to get the idea in her head that, you know, she's the boss over everything. Some of the husbands have this conception in their head. When in reality, in a healthy relationship, a husband could ask and should ask his wife advice on many, many things that she has wisdom about and to be vulnerable that way. So the idea of being vulnerable is an important idea whether you're the husband, whether you're the wife. But on the wife's side, especially for those women that have an independent streak, which is perfectly healthy, or a strong feeling of self-expression, also perfectly healthy, or a feeling of knowing our, your own mission in life, independent of your, uh, your husband just as an individual, also beautiful. All of these are all beautiful aspects, but they have to be balanced with this vulnerability as well. Like we talked about many times, there is independence, that you're on your own, not healthy if it goes to an extreme, otherwise you don't have a relationship. You have a dependence or codependence, which is not healthy either, where you're totally dependent on somebody else, that's not a relationship either. Then there's something called interdependence, which is the mixing, the fusing of the two. To be independent in many ways 
and dependent in healthy ways when you need to. And as a woman, the same idea. To be fully confident of your own talents and your own feelings and your own thoughts and, 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 and to value your contribution to yourselves, to your society, but at the same time to allow yourself with that balance to be vulnerable, to allow yourself to want to be cherished by your husband, to want to be adored by him, to want to have his love and to be accepting of his love. And that longing for that is a healthy, healthy thing. And that's why as I'm reading this, I want to make sure, because I know I mentioned Laura Doyle in the past about she goes to the other extreme of a wife always, you know, sort of being machnia, so to speak, to an extreme unhealthy degree to her husband in ways that are probably not healthy. The Chazal have a healthy, healthy balance of this. So we need to know this. So as we talk about it, we need to know both sides of this. So in other words, there is a drive for independence that is healthy. We should really talk about that more, what that means. In this chapter, this Leia Richheimer talks about an independence that is not healthy, that is based on our culture's feminism and the need for an inflated ego and to take away the natural instincts of a woman by being over, you know, by overcompensating on their independence. That's what she's talking about, that unhealthy independence. But then there is a healthy independence, like we discussed. And so she writes here, and I'm going to make copies of this uh, as exercises. Uh, she has questions. Uh, you know, how do you think uh, the drive for independence has affected marriages today? Again, you all can answer that yourself. I would say that um, it is, you know, there's definitely an unhealthy streak of, of, of quote-unquote, for the sake of independence to sacrifice uh, uh, giving and being macabre and being vulnerable. So it did affect negatively, um, you know, the marriages these days because of that drive for independence in an unhealthy way. And her second question, does a woman need to give up her success strategies in order to have a good marriage? The answer is generally no. I would say, you know, again, you could answer yourselves, you know, that's why it's here for. Generally, no. Again, there has to be balance. You don't give up anything completely. Number three, what can this woman do to get in touch with her own feelings of vulnerability that may keep her from allowing herself to feel interdependent? That's an interesting question, and that is really a lifelong question. And she writes here, that she agrees that being confident and independent can be very valuable in a workplace. And even at home, being able to stand on your own two feet and maneuver the world is fantastic. But the aspect of independence we all want to be wary of is the part of it that keeps us from being close to our husband. That part of us that feels embarrassed to need our husbands or that feels vulnerable when we must rely on them. And recognizing our own dependence is a powerful tool in our arsenal for drawing our husbands closer. Dependence must not be seen as a bad word in our society. Dependence and interdependence is what draws us ever nearer to each other and makes us stronger as a team. The key here is to think of your powerful independence as what allows you to build an even stronger interdependence. So again, I'm going to make a copy that you read these words as well. And again, you could say 
that she's going because she had was on one side and now he's going strongly on the other side and the truth is somewhere a little bit in the middle you know all of you i trust have your own minds and your own ability to think and your own you know knowing your own personalities if you have a personality that's extremely dependent as it is then of course you need to develop a strong sense of self in a healthy way to grow your uh, self-confidence in a healthy way because dependence to an extreme is unhealthy as well but those of you that are very strong-minded and independent she does have a valid point she does have a valid point in that the not allowing yourself to feel vulnerable when you need to feel vulnerable when it's healthy to feel vulnerable that distance yourselves that causes a distance between yourselves and your husband and on the other side of mechitza i say the same thing to the husbands because by nature many of them are indeed very depend independent and they don't want to hear anything their wives have to say whatsoever this i run the ship this is my thing and you you know your your opinion has no value that is wrong and i stress that on the other side of the mechitza he too needs to learn in a certain sense to be vulnerable, to allow to be humble, to allow, you know, uh, opinions, you know, that his wife expresses and to take them very seriously and to be vulnerable that way, to want to cherish her, his, his wife and to not be embarrassed to say, I love you, I appreciate you. That's on the man's side. And in turn, on the woman's side, she needs to give up sometimes that, strong independent feeling when it's coming from the wrong place and i can't judge whether it's coming from the wrong place or the right place it's something that needs a lot of soul searching to really feel to know you know what it really is but it's definitely true that very often there is such a fear to be vulnerable so you put up this wall to be independent and i could because you're afraid to be hurt so but that itself creates a mechitza, a separation between yourself and your husband. It should not be an embarrassment to want to want our husbands or to be vulnerable when we need to rely on our husbands. There's no shame in feeling vulnerable. It's actually a strength. That's one key in marriage that's very important to learn. So I'm going to also make a copy of, she writes, keeping a journal, optional points to ponder. So I'm going to make a copy of that page. And then she has a few exercises at the end. One exercise is that once a week or once a day, don't contradict or correct your husband's words and actions. And by the way, this is important to do. Very, very important to do. Now, like I said, when there is an ongoing disagreement or something, there is a time and place. You set up a specific time. Let's talk about this. And then you sit down together. But what we're talking about here is in regular conversations that you're having with your husband as you're going along through the day, and normally you would break into his sentence or contradict them, try well, this week or once a day not to con- contradict them, not to correct him, but to actually listen and allow him to finish his sentences. Number two, place a special treat that your husband will love in a place where he will find it. Number three, identify one thing you can do differently if you would step back into your own life and begin anew. That's an interesting thought that he, she brought down in the beginning of this chapter. And number four, notice if you have an emotional need for your husband's validation and you feel, and if you feel uh, any urge to quench that feeling. And again, that 
is a lot of introspection because like I told you, life is a balance. A, wa- a wife is not allowed to be a shmata, is not allowed to be abused, is not allowed to feel like nothing. Halila, they're supposed to have a validation, an inner spirit, a certain confidence, a certain unique, um, unbreakable feeling within them that I'm special and I have value. No question about it. We're talking more here about when we put on these protective layers of wanting to be independent because of fear of being hurt or because of ego. And that aspect is what we're talking about where you need to know when you have that resisting feeling that sometimes you want to harden yourself, but the right move is to soften yourself, to be more vulnerable and to be more caring and to be more loving. And when that is the right decision, which in many, many, many times it is, it promotes shalom bias. And normally there's a tremendous reciprocation where the husband in turn wants to shower more and cherish you more. Hatzlach and bracha.